of it, I'm good. The church is like that. It's, it's, not, it's not like that. It's not a job. If this church goes away in 20 years and your worship experience is diminished and, and you have nothing to pass it along to, your, your heart's going to be broken. At least a little bit. And we're not surprised we hear from the world that the guy that invented the refrigerator was not the guy that was in the ice business. And the ice business goes away. We're not shocked by that. That's just standard stuff. In fact, if you want to have a job that lasts a long time, maybe as long as the church does, the business you need to get into is the libation business. That's code word in the Baptist world for beer. <laughs> Those companies, I'm not, I'm not kidding when I say they last a long time. But that, that really is maybe one of the only comparable companies to what the church is. And what we want to do is pass along our faith to the next generation. So there's a succession plan. So that this doesn't end just with us. When we, when we pass away, 20 years after you pass away, the church is gone. Now, if we could be around, theoretically, that, would, that should break our heart. But there's a task involved. I don't know if you're aware of this, but... You, you probably remember the story of Moses and Jethro, and, and, and Jethro tells him, look, get leaders around you. So we're not really all that surprised, we shouldn't be all that surprised, that Moses has Joshua around him, and he trains Joshua. What we don't ever see in Scripture is that Joshua ever had leaders around him. That Joshua ever had a succession plan for, for how do I pass along the DNA of leadership to, to the Israelites because now they're going to have the land. How do I pass along how they should lead? It's not in the scripture, so we shouldn't be surprised that Israel turns into a train wreck right after Joshua. Right? The book of Judges. One miserable mistake after another. This idea of passing along our faith is hugely important. But great men, great people have failed at it. So how do we get that? How do we ensure that the next generation of kids, the next generation of believers, have the same worship experience we have? Open your Bibles, 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 7, but we're really we're going to focus on the first two verses. Here's the deal. Here's where Paul is. He's, he, he's writing this to Timothy, his protege, and he's in prison. Does, he, he sees that he doesn't have much time left. The trial is not going to turn out well. At least he believes so. And so he's scribbling his words to his protege to ensure that there is an effective succession plan in place. Like, you got this right, Timothy? I'm leaving, and you won't have me here to lead anymore. You won't, you won't get your worship experiences from me anymore, from my leadership. And this is what Paul says to him. Chapter 2, verse 1. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Let's pray. Father, we open your word this morning uh, with some trepidation about what we're going to find out, about how we're going to have to live our lives. 
least I do. Um, what we feel the pressure. We want other people to have this experience with you. We want the world to have this experience of you showing up on a Sunday morning and you showing up in our prayer time on a Thursday night. We want that for them. And, and we pray as we look at your scripture that we find answers to make that happen. For your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Now what you didn't see in this passage is the word discipleship. Though many, many people would say this is a discipleship passage. It's, it's not in there. But discipleship does, in a sense, for the church ensure that the next generation of believers, that your kids are here experiencing what you're experiencing this morning. What's also not in this passage is, is the idea that, hey, you need to get plugged in at Wellspring and, and help and go from a, just a consumer to, to a contributor to this thing uh, of the church, and that will help ensure the lifeblood of this experience. That's not in the text either, but the ideas are around it. Here's, here's what the idea of this passage is. Pass along the life of our faith in a compelling and attractive way. That's what Paul wants Timothy to do. Pass along the life of your faith in a compelling and attractive way. So, so, so how do we do that? How do you pass along your faith so that there is a succession plan? Look at verse 1. You then, my child, be strengthened. So here, here's, the first, here's the first point. Admit deficiency. Admit deficiency. You can see that when, when we get from be strengthened, can't you? You don't uh, need strength if you're already strong. It assumes that there's some weakness in you. But we have a problem with that, don't we? I come to church, I know how to smile, I know how to shake some hands, I know how to put on a good facade. And this passage assumes that that happens sometimes. By the way, it's not bad that you come to church and smile. Oh God, I like your smi you smiling at me. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. But this passage assumes that that's not always the real thing. This passage assumes that there is some weakness in you. Because it says, be Strengthen. Now, here's what I like about the Bible, is that it's written to average guys like you and me who need strength. I mean, that's who Timothy is. He's, a, he's an average guy. At least he, he has to be. I know in our minds, maybe it doesn't seem like it, right? He, he's been discipled by a mom who's, and it's actually recorded in the scripture who he was discipled by. Is the person that's discipling you, is he his name in scripture or is her name in scripture? No. Well, Timothy's is. Pretty big deal. And, and, and to make it even greater, he's a super Christian guy because Paul comes along and he can choose anyone, anyone to be his protege. And who does he pick? Timothy. He's got some things figured out. He's got some things wired. He knows how to live the righteous life. And, and what does Paul say to him? Be strengthened. Look, look, you don't have it all together, bro. You might have all the best things packed into you, but you don't have it all together. Well, if, if Timothy could look at this command, I think we can look at this command. Be strengthened. It's kind of an odd command when you think about it. Be strengthened. I mean, it's passive, and, and yet it's a command. And, and looking at the original language in the Greek doesn't help matters. 
it, just, it makes it just as confusing as it is as I say it to you in English. It's, it's, it's an imperative, it's a command, and yet, and yet it's passive. It's kind of like a, a whispering yell. Here's the idea. Paul could have said to Timothy, Look, bro, you're a wimp. You don't have it together. You, you, are, you are making mistakes all over the place. But what he does instead is he says, you need strength. You just need strength. Church, you get that? We need strength. If we want, if we want this experience this morning, the very feeling in your heart you have right now if God is working, if you want to pass that along to something, to someone else, says, right after the command, be strengthened, he says um, in, the, in the grace, by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Oh, I get why you do that, Paul. Because if there's a confusing command, if you just wrap that in the grace of Christ, it automatically makes it sound better. Oh, yeah, I get it now. The grace of Christ. No, no, here, here's what Paul is getting at when he says be strengthened. He's getting at the, at the fact that God wants you strong. And he has the ability to give you strength in excess. He's not up there worried, am I going to have enough candy for the trick-or-treaters? He can dole out all the strength you need and then some to get this task done. By the grace of Christ, he wants to give it to you in excess so that you can do this task of passing along your faith to other people. Because it is a task, isn't it? How many How many? Uh, if it were easy, every Christian parent would have Christian children. But if your children are a believer, or if you know someone's parents whose children are a believer, you know how difficult that task is, don't you? We need strength to accomplish this, to have a succession plan. Now, it's probably not hard for you to believe that I um, have a problem with not being strong. And there's moments of honesty when that happens. And that's what I'm calling us to do this morning. Have a moment of honesty. How, are we really doing that task well? Are we ensuring that the next generation has it? Yeah, I was, I'm sharing this story from, from Wynn because she shared it with me. I don't necessarily remember it that well. But we were married about six months. And there was a TV on my right. That's going to be important. So pay attention to that. There was a TV on my right. And, and she was walking out of the kitchen and looking at me this way. And what was on that TV was a playoff hockey game with the Pittsburgh Penguins. And that's a big, that was a big deal to me. And so she, she was talking, and I apparently, slowly, my head just went to the TV. And I was watching the TV, and, and I heard the first few sentences out of her mouth as I was picking up on the game that was in front of me. But apparently, she kept going. And at one point in the conversation, she said, Aaron, Aaron. And I turned my head, I looked at her, and she said, you didn't hear a word I said, did you? And in a moment of honesty, I said, no, I didn't. <laughs> Guys, that's what I'm asking us to do this morning. Just have a moment of honesty. How good are we at passing along our faith? If we're not doing a good job, the good news is God has enough strength to get us there. God has enough ability to get us there. 
Because guys, we're not, it's not as if we're passing along the bottom line in spreadsheets. Okay? We're, we're passing along volunteers and the Holy Spirit. That's not an easy task. If we want other people to get fired up about what's happening here, which by the way, I, I remember having a conversation just this week with Pastor Scott, either this week or last week, when I said, God is just, he's been showing up for a month in really special ways, in different ways. And how do you pass that along? How do you make sure that the next generation gets that? And what, what Paul is saying, what this passage is saying, is that we need to admit we need strength, which means identifying weaknesses. If I were to ask you, what is your weakness? I'm not saying you need to do it this morning, and I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you, what is your weakness? You should be able to identify it. But church, we should. If, you're, if God has more than enough strength, if, he, if, it, if, his, if he's giving strength based on grace, what is he giving it to? Is, are, are you, uh, guys, I get this is tough for us because it seems a little feminine, but write it down as journaling, right? And sit down sometime and say, here's what I'm not good at. Here's what I need, here's what I need strength to overcome because the promise from God's word is that he'll give it to you. And you're not journaling, you're writing down your weaknesses and getting answers from God and seeing Him work in your life. Here, here's the other option, because if you don't try to identify weaknesses that you need God's strength for, what you're really saying is, I have it all figured out. And, and which one of you likes to know it all? Which one of you finds it attractive when you need to know it all? I, got, I want to know that person. So let's identify some weaknesses. That's the first step towards, towards the succession plan, is realizing how huge, how huge this task really is and how much we need strength. We need strength for this. The second point, verse 2, go public. Go public. Now, I'm getting that straight out of the verse. Look at, look at verse 2. And what you have heard from me in the presence of me, your recliner in a book. Is that what it says? No, it says, in the presence of many witnesses, which would seem to suggest that you learning about Jesus Christ isn't just a private matter. And then, then, uh, look what it says, entrust to faithful men, entrust to just one other person. Now, here's the idea. Uh, this thing of passing along our faith is, is a public idea. Now, that rubs our culture. That rubs the world we live in. We're told, we believe, oh, faith is a private thing. And you don't need to know what I believe. And I don't need to talk about Jesus. This is just between me and the Lord. And for sure, guys, there are some things that are between you and the Lord. But if we want to get really good, right, at passing along our faith, there are things we need to go public. It happens in the presence of many witnesses. It happens with faithful men. But with the with the proliferation of books, we think it's all, it's all just a private matter. And, and guys, it's not. And that's why I use this, that's why I use the word go public, because it rubs us wrong a little bit. You're right. That, that's bold. That's, that's something that's beyond me. But the idea in the Bible is that if you're not going public with your faith, does it really exist? That's the idea here. I get it. I get it. Last week, I was pulling out of McDonald's and I saw on the side of the road three men had, had their Bibles in the air, and they were yelling something. I hope it was the gospel. Now, 
I'm not saying that, uh, that they were effective or that's the right way to go. If you're called to that, then praise God. But what I'm getting at when I say go public is maybe that's what you think. Good. <laughs> because the word that we're given is said to entrust to one another, and it's the same boldness, just a different context. The boldness it takes to stand on the side of the road is the same boldness it takes to entrust yourself, to entrust what you've learned in front of many witnesses to other people. That word entrust is not teach. Right? Teach might be easy. Teach doesn't take as much boldness. Right? Teach is, I've done my job discipling. After I'm done this morning, I've taught you some things. I, I taught you uh, that, 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 that word that we just looked at is, is a passive imperative. Uh, be strengthened. Look, I'm done. I'm done with the discipleship process. But Paul didn't say teach. He said entrust. So it, although it does include the idea of solid Bible teaching, of having your feet planted in God's word, it includes that. But it's more than that. Here's the idea. You see this person who's always around you. You see them smiling every Sunday. I like that guy. You know, I, he's just a good guy to have around. But this one particular Sunday, you see he seems to be struggling. It doesn't seem that everything is working out for him this day. So God puts on your heart, maybe I should go talk to him. Maybe I should go try to encourage him. And then, you, then you, your, your mind goes where my mind goes, oh, if I do that, I'll... I look like a doofus, and, uh, and I don't want to bother him. I don't want to be, I don't want to be intrusive. And then, and then, and then what, what if I'm wrong? What if I'm way off base? Well, let me encourage you. You are a doofus. You do bother people, and you're wrong a lot. <laughs> but those are the qualifications it takes to entrust yourself to someone else. There's the risk. It does take the same boldness as that guy on the side of the road to say, I see this person struggling and I want to help them. It means entrust has the idea of not just teaching them the right way, but learning the right to teach them the right way. It means coming alongside someone in their hurts and helping them. Coming alongside their weakness and, and showing them how to be strong. The idea is of uh, Peter Cartwright. You guys probably haven't heard of him. I hadn't heard of him before this week, but he was a preacher in the 1830s. And that's important because he was preaching to Andrew Jackson, Andrew Jackson, who was the president during the 1830s. And he was told, listen, Andrew Jackson is coming to our church. And um, you, just be careful what you say. He's the president of the United States. And I love, I, I love uh, what he says, uh, how he starts off his first words, I understand that President Andrew Jackson is here this morning. I have been requested to be very guarded in my remarks. Let me say this. Andrew Jackson will go to hell if he doesn't repent of his sin. <laughs> Bold. Guys, when I, when, I, when I say public, that's what I'm saying. Boldness, not, not outside our walls, just inside Wellspring. Bold to entrust ourselves to one another. Because that makes us attractive. Because that is a succession plan. But it is bold. It does, it does feel risky. 
Okay, one, other, one other idea to, to help us get this idea of boldness. This week, I was walking out of a, a building and I see Elsa, my second daughter, I see her softball coach. And the conversation, you know, as it does with me, because I'm so big and bulky, goes right to talking about gyms, right? <laughs> and he, he referenced to me, he said, you know, you should try this gym because the guy's a believer and he always has on Christian music. And I thought to myself, this guy's bold. He doesn't know me from Adam, yet, He's willing to share something about what he's fired up about. He's, he's trusting that I don't respond with, get the thought police, you can't offend me like that. <laughs> and I'm not even saying that we have those kind of public conversations out there. I'm saying we have them in here. Yeah, but you, you don't know, you don't know what it's, I, I'm, I'm an introvert, it's, it's not, I, I'm not an outgoing person. I hear you, I hear you, we're all wired differently. So let's start with this. Find someone, and this is why home groups work so well, by the way. If I could give an advertisement for, for why you should be in or find a home group, stop by Connection Center afterwards and get in one, it's, it's little things like this. You just think, this is what God did in my life on Sunday. Walk up to someone else in church, you see him during the week, or walk up to some stranger. You'd never believe what God has been doing in my life. I, I was in my prayer time Thursday night, and he showed up. And I don't know the details of that. You do. But if God is showing up in your life, it's really easy to pass that along. But it does take boldness. That's not easy. I don't know the context you live in. But it's little things like that. That's a start towards us. Handing off what we are fired up about is getting other people excited about we are, what we are fired up about. No, I hear you. Let me say this to mom because it can become the idea of discipleship and, and getting out there. And, and how's a mom with, with two kids, three kids, four kids, like how are they supposed to do discipleship? And, and how do they, how are they, like where do they find the time? It's, and you guys get it, right? You guys connect to the dots. It's, the kids is a really big deal. and But that's a great illustration of what it means to try to pass along our faith, to entrust other people. There's no guarantee. And, and, and moms, I'm not doing a good job of discipling. None of my kids believe. Yeah, how many, of, how many of us have tried to entrust ourselves to someone to come back in our face? It just doesn't work. But the God of the universe wants to give you strength to do it again. And he has more than enough in reserve. Because guys, we need to. For the succession of what's happening here at Wellspring, we need to. We don't want this to end in 20 years. We want this to last for 40 years, 50 years. So we pass along our faith. Because Maybe this, path, maybe this seems hard. You know, I come up here and I say, you know, you need to go public and, and you're weak and you need to be strong. I'm doing that not because uh, there's any power in me to make you do those things. I, I'm doing that because a relationship with God is not magic. And magic would be expecting you to get blessed from God without doing anything. 
And God has said in here, this is what, if you want to get my blessing, if you want me to be pouring things into your life that are out of this world, that are from me, and that means that we need to take steps towards God. That means, from this passage, our words, you know, go public. Be strengthened. Admit where your weaknesses are. Because that's what I want for you. I want you to be blessed by God. I want you to be fired up by Him. We want you to be fired up by Him. We want you to be so fired up that you can't be quiet for the next six days. And that you come back and bring your friends because you're excited about what God is doing here. Because God wants to do it. God is fired up about doing it. God has the ability and the resources to do it. Would we be willing to see it? Let's pray. Father, you are good. We, we do sit in amazement about how you work. And we, we struggle with admitting we that we are strong. We struggle with being public with our faith. The equation, Father, doesn't make sense. You're, you're infinite, and there's so much you can do, and yet 